I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I'm dressed for bed and for travel. If you don't have anything nice to say, come sit by me. <laughs> oh, you guys. Okay, you guys, it's 164 of Andy's Girls, and I am so excited. 
excited to have a new guest on the People's People's Couch. I rarely fangirl, but I am losing my mind about a certain Uh person who I consider a culture anthropologist, close personal friend of Parvati Shallow, and of course also Bowen Yang, writer, actor, comedian, guest star on the just-released third season of Search Party, which I have watched twice over in 24 hours, and co-host of some shows you may have heard of, Last Culturistas, and of course, game show on Quibi, His Holiness, my God, my angel, my angel sent from heaven above, Matt Rogers. Matt Rogers. Oh my gosh, altogether too much. Thank you so much for having me. Too much, but yet not enough. Can I please mm. okay so this is gonna we'll talk about housewives for three seconds and then you for 97 so, <laughs> no i'm so sick of me no i am <laughs> obsessed with you i have oh, to tell you so nice. obviously i host a podcast you host everything on earth god L-O-L. bless america really and just I- the one big thing and some other things <laughs> here and there one, just this one um just very casual podcast with a guest host this week you may have heard of him will ferrell Ooh. um I have to tell you, I'm so obsessed with Las Culturistas. It's helped me. Las Culturistas, back when we could walk outside, was mm. the podcast that I play before and after therapy when I need an wow. upper. You know what I'm saying? When I'm like, you're cool, you're cool. And then immediately after, I'm like weeping. I'm like, I need it. I need Matt and Bowen. I need Matt and Bowen in my ears, in my heart, in my soul. And here you would think that before therapy, you'd want some like clarity in your mind. And afterwards, no, you would want some like quiet to sit with what you've discovered. But no, you want two gays no. absolutely squawking into a microphone about shit that does not matter. And I love that for you and for me. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything better on this earth can i tell you i would Are say whitney houston cure? back in the day that's better i would say ice cream is better i'd say you know i'm not gonna put us up there with the best things i'm gonna say if you enjoy us i am thrilled well can i ask you so i think we started our podcast around the same time you started in 2016 oh. is that true yeah so we started las culturistas in about march of 2016 i want to say february march 2016 and in those early episodes of las culturistas you can really hear the kind of, kind of pre-trump confidence that's what i call it like oh my it's God. so funny because like i'll go back and listen to uh, actually, I will. I won't do this. But some people will tell me, "Hey, I'm starting Last Coach from the beginning, and mm-hmm. ooh, you guys are really confident." <laughs> and it's all—it's almost funny to listen to. But yeah, that is when we started. Do you ever listen to older apps? Maybe not from OG, but um, you know, every now and then, like I will sort of do the thing where I'll, if I'm if I'm feeling the need to check in about something, I will kind of scroll all the way back and hit a random episode and listen to about 10 minutes of it just to see if we're keeping up the energy of what the podcast always is. Cause you know, it's so weird. Like when you, when you do something for so long you kind of start to stop mm-hmm. seeing it, you know, when you're in the middle of something, you kind of stop seeing it. So I just, I always want to make sure that the podcast can keep up its energy and keep being new and funny and fresh. And me and Bowen are still snapping along. So sometimes I will, do that. But then I also realized that the way that you keep a podcast fresh and the way that you keep it, uh, keep it moving, as they say, is you kind of <laughs> just keep going and do you. I mean, that's all mm-hmm. we've ever done. We had never really been podcast people or maybe Bowen mm-hmm. had a little bit, but I was never the kind of person that really enjoyed podcasts. So I think mm-hmm. I came into it like without a sort of affected podcast personality or like doing a podcast voice. You know what I mean? I had yes. such like, a weird understanding of what they were. So 
I came in and we just did us and like we're our friendship online, like or, or rather we would just kind of did our friendship on the podcast and it worked. So I try not to think too, too hard about it. And has, you know, recording during this insane moment in our country and world history how has that is, are things weird are things weird i, mean, I forgot what it's know, like to be normal for like five or ten i <laughs> yeah, really sure. honestly the idea of walking outside i'm like can i still do that i mean yeah, like very basic things yeah unclear tbd but how has that changed how you are looking at the world and looking at culture mm, honestly um with everything that's been going on in the culture not just in terms of the pandemic but also you know, socially with Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter finally getting all the attention that it really should be getting. But Amen. it feels like the world's fully turned its focus in a way. We've definitely made it more of a point to be more political with the podcast because we do realize that, you know, we have a large listenership now. And I personally know that, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of white people that listen to the show. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do with the podcast was make sure that if we had a if we had a podcast that was talking about pop culture or -hmm. claimed to talk about pop culture or claimed Mm -hmm. to talk about the culture Mm -hmm. that is happening in the larger world, we were not going to ignore this moment. And so what I wanted to do was specifically speak to the white listeners and say, Hey, just so you know, this is not going to be a thing where um, it's business as usual going forward. We all have to do the work and like really put all our focus and energy on to how we can defeat racism and how we can move forward um, by looking in and having conversations with each other. Cause it shouldn't be on the, on the, um, on the black people that are in our lives to do that for us. I think there's been an understanding that deep in the recesses of our mind, we're like, Oh, it's their problem. It's like someone else's problem. It's not me. It really does start at home. So honestly, the quarantine, us all being in isolation, it really has had us, make the podcast adapt to not just situationally new needs, but also we're taking things seriously because we are looking at the news every day. We're looking at our phones every day saying, when are things going to change? When are things going to change? And it's also kind of breached out into these other issues. And I think when you ask the question, when are things going to change about these other issues, you'll find that they will not change until we really start. So I think the quarantine has made us examine a lot and I don't know about you personally, but for me personally, even I've sat and examined a lot about my own life um, in regard to everything. And so in a way, while it is so frustrating and while it's so frustrating to have to you know, make changes and adapt to new situations, it's also a really good opportunity to sort of be introspective, figure out like, what's my life been like? How do I want to live my life when this all resumes? What are the ways in which I can change my life for the better in quarantine? You know, Mm -hmm. it's a major challenge for, I think, the soul of not just every individual, but that all adds up to the soul of everyone in this country, everyone in this world. So it's kind of nice to all be going through the same thing to a degree. What responses have you gotten back from people just regarding the fact that you may have gotten a little bit more, not more political, but you've sharpened the ways in which you talk about politics and life? I mean, you guys did a special episode Mm -hmm. Um, strictly about Black Lives Matter and here are organizations that you can help and here's what we're feeling and here's why we're speaking and why we feel like our voices, you know, need to amplify those of black voices, but also your voices as, you know, white Americans count, you know, that you need to talk. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is something that you come to sort of a crossroads as someone that does comedy, right? Or as someone Mm -hmm. that has a a platform that's... um, you know, kind of touts itself as not taking itself too seriously. It gets to the point where it's like, 
well, you're, you're kind of really being so unhelpful if you're not taking this moment seriously. So what I wanted to do with the podcast was just provide resources, amplify voices I think that we need to hear right now, while also still maintaining the fact that this is a comedy podcast and I want people to listen and feel good. I also don't want to ignore the severity of the moment. So I just... And I, Bowen as well, I think we both just wanted to take one particular episode, which happened um, the week that the protest right. began after the George, George Floyd murder, was just to let everyone know, like, we are going to continue to be a comedy podcast, but just know that this is a comedy podcast that has these priorities. It's defunding the police. It's ending systemic racism in the system. It's ending systems that are racist, which are most systems in this country. And the way we do that is by looking in and here's how we're doing it. Here's how you can do it. Here's people that are doing it. You know, we are definitely going to be pivoting in the months ahead in coming up to the election. And I would love to have more people of diverse backgrounds that are running mm -hmm. for political office in mm. so, quote-unquote smaller local races, not just mm -hmm. big ones, you know? We want people that are running for state senate to come on that are really interesting and have an amazing story that people should be looking at as part of the culture the same way they would someone who has a comedy show that's coming out on Netflix. You know what I mean? We need to be thinking about the word culture and how we contribute to that in a broader sense. And Las Culturistas is going to be part of that. And I'm proud to be part of that. And also not for nothing, but it's not like you can't have fun with someone who is um, – a serious quote-unquote more serious person you know what i mean totally. like you can have fun with all tips all types of people they all have culture that make them say cultures for them <laughs> so if i'm spotlighting someone useful and someone fun and someone i think is going to help the world then the podcast is succeeding and we're going to be doing that have you been following what bravo has and has not been doing in reference in regards to black lives matter and what they're saying to the audience at large i think that they must be in a tough position too because it's not what they do you know what i mean it's 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 and bowen and i even said on the podcast like it's not the most comfortable thing to talk about because, of course not. because literally no one is a historian on or there are but they're mm -hmm. just not uh, we're not talking to them um yet <laughs> but um you know we're not historians on american history we are not you know uh people who know everything about the moment but we do know where our hearts need to be and so i think with someone like bravo with someone like andy cohen i've been really impressed with the people that he's had on watch what happens live you know he's got mm -hmm. a lot of politicians on watch what happens live and i also think that that's an opportunity with the quarantine too we talked about this before we got on air but i've been having guests on that i maybe would not ordinarily have on because of the quarantine and so i think this has given him and producers at um bravo certainly watch what happens live to reach out to people that well, we can have anyone because of the quarantine, so let's reach out. Let's get Cory Booker on the show. Let's get Kamala Harris. Right. Let's get, you know, people in government that, um, you know, uh, are doing good or need to do better um, and diverse voices in, in politics. And I think that, that he's done a great job. Some of the ladies, I think that it's getting a little uh, tough to ignore some of the complexity in their uh, political discourse there or their political beliefs there. I mean... I could talk for a while about Leah McSweeney, but um, and I'm sure we will. But, you know, it's like I think that everyone needs to be holding themselves to a higher standard, even if they are on a quote unquote frivolous platform. And I've been excited to see Andy do that. So here's what I will say about Leah McSweeney, because I have gone into drag 
out, like dra- like just full on cat fights with people about Leah. Yeah. And I spoke to a friend at the um, Daily Beast about her, just in regards to like how do we how do you <laughs> handle Leah? And this was pre BLM, but this was during- how do you solve a problem like I mean, Leah? I mean a little bit, but like she has. A complicated background pre-Housewives that has come up through her casting. And yet she seems to be on a journey on her social where she's trying to do better, where she's going to protest. She's going to rallies. She just uh, said on IG stories yesterday, she essentially explicitly told Ramona to go fuck herself. She's like, you're putting people's lives in danger. You just slept back from Florida to New York City. We're all staying inside. We all stayed here. What the fuck do you think you're doing? And how, and your entire family is complicit. I mean, there are things that she has done that I found surprising. And mm-hmm. if I had only read and watched the videos that I did of her if I'd only read the pieces that she'd written leading up to 2016 and after and watched the videos where she was talking about how Trump will be fine and whatever else and blah, 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 I would have had a different perspective of how she was handling Black Lives Matter. I would have put her maybe closer, maybe not all the way to Kelly, but like in some sort of middle area where you're black boxing and not doing anything else where Mm -hmm. you're like, we can't actually say any of the hashtags that matter, but we're going to say we're listening or something. But she's taking on a much more active role and she's talking about Democrats. She's, you know, God forbid, hopefully going to vote. And I I am fully confident that it won't be for Trump. It's Mm -hmm. it appears that she is growing in a way that I'm like isn't this what we want I mean obviously it's super complicated I disagree with everything that she said politically online I'm Mm -hmm. so glad that she joined the housewives because at least there's something new and dynamic going on and also she's learning like isn't this what we're looking for we would expect that she would be at a different point than she was before I disagree vehemently with her before but at least she's changing my my question would be um uh, yes I agree with the 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 majority of what you're saying my I guess my question is has she addressed the fact that she did not vote in 2016 in like a sort of apologetic way because for me the complexity here is she's been saying and she said on watch what happens live I've been caring about black lives matter since 2014 you know and then she compared her own um experience with police which was brutal to um experiences Mm -hmm. with police that um black people have which is uh you know there's a gray area there but i would say has she actually talked about the fact that she knows it is fucked up to say i've cared about black lives matter since 2014 but i had the privilege to sit out the 2016 election because for me it's like someone like tinsley that doesn't vote in 2016 because she's locationally not in the area where she needs to vote i almost like would prefer that kind of person say own up to that than have someone who knowingly knows what's at stake and then says I'm not going to vote I don't know that she has addressed it directly I am very confident that she will in the lead up to November and I would also say the Tinsley thing really wasn't that she hadn't gotten her shit together to be a Florida voter voting in New York. The Tinsley thing was like, oh, it's not really for me. Yeah, like, I it's mean, a hobby that I don't pursue. That's where I sort of lost my mind with Sweet Little Tins. I, I, and you're, I'm not team Tinsley, but it's like, <laughs> I, I, here's, the, here's the thing with Leah. Because she is such a good cast member and she 
is such a star. She's so right. obviously going to be the face of the franchise within the next two years because I genuinely think that her introduction is a reset. And I think that you will see cast members sort of get cast around her. Wouldn't be surprised yes. if you saw the, the sister on the cast next year. You know what I mean? Like people that are already sort of edging in as like compatible with her and people who are antagonistic with her, I think are going to get the boot, i.e., Ramona and yeah, the I thing about Ramona is Ramona is a fucking monster. Okay, Ramona would bring Corona back from Florida <laughs> to New York because she's an idiot. Ramona is a Trump voter. Ramona has a lot of racial blind spots and and like is is actually out and out racist a lot of the time. She's incredibly like. I think kind of rode hard and put away wet in terms of what she can do on the show. It's like, <laughs> we've seen it. We, I don't need yeah. another Mario Meredith. So it's like, yes, Ramona t holding her accountable. Sure. It's also like when you can't get mad at someone because they're just like so dumb, it's like almost like an easy target for Leah. So with Leah, what I'm interested in, in terms of like the whole Bravo viewership Let's not let Leah get away with the bare minimum just because we like her and she's a star and she's young and cool and hot. Yes, it's great that she says Black Lives Matter. That's amazing. We all should be saying Black Lives Matter. So I'm not going to be like Leia fucking slay on like liberal icon hero. She writes for the Federalist. She didn't vote in 2016. She has the gall to say Black Lives Matter since 2014, but I still didn't vote in 2016. So yes, she's cool. She's great. Love that she parties. Remember, we are seeing a relapse in action. And she's yes. extremely politically complicated, and we need to do better in terms of that. Otherwise, what we're doing is equivalent to settling for centrist candidates it, that then go on to Washington and do nothing. We need to move our discourse forward with the housewives. <laughs> and how that was that was a thing that just happened. That was Girl, really well said. That You're is here. my tea. That is my <laughs> tea. That and that is the truth. And the fact of the matter she's is, drenched. I would say I would say it to her face because I I respect what she brings. I like that she's an authentic person. I will say again, I think she's a relapse in action, and it's not mm -hmm. good for Luann. But um, like you can't just say I didn't drink for nine years because I ha did things like have run-ins with the police and get my teeth knocked out, and I was a mess, and I like to be a mess. And because I'm on a Bravo reality show, I'm drinking again. Like that doesn't work for me, girl. Isn't that abundantly apparent? It doesn't make any sense. She's trying to make an argument that she has just decided because her life is very good and very stable and because she doesn't ever want to go back to the place that she was in before when she was not sober, she's decided to no longer be sober. It, and then everyone's just kind of like flying by it. It's very in the last episode, Tinsley's like, do you want uh, obviously you like want rosé, whatever they pop a bottle and it's fine. It just it feels like if we're talking about a suspended reality when it comes to like drinking and addiction on New York, when the addiction itself becomes a punchline, that's kind of where I lose the humor a little a little bit. It feels like it's a little irresponsible how that whole storyline is being played out. Well, yeah, they're desensitizing their audience to the fact that like this is actually a disease. You know what I right. mean? Like, so I think that that's really hard to watch because you've kind of got three different women in three different sort of areas with this, which is Dorinda, who's yet to confront and say out loud the fact that she has a real problem with it because she's using it as a coping mechanism for so right. many other things that she's dealing with. And she thinks those things are the problem and they are, but she also has a substance abuse problem. You've got Luann who's sort of more freshly um, dipping her toe back in the water and we've yet to see it get dark, but um, we've seen with her that it can get pretty dark. 
And then you've got someone who is emerging out of a long sort of dormancy with alcohol, but and and who because she's so cool and calm and collected and such a star, like I've been saying, you want to believe her when she says things are going to be fine, and then she drinks, and I'm sorry, but things are not fine. She acts out of control, and um, she's not doesn't act within reason. Like her mm-hmm. at um, Ramona's party, I mean. That wasn't fun for me to watch. I thought it was like, you know, a good episode of Housewives in that things happened at a dinner. So the box was checked. But that is not someone who I would want to hang out with all the time and then find out the next day that's how they quote unquote like to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. And I feel like it's something with New York that um, that gets swept under the rug. And it's. I I do question like watching it as entertainment sometimes because it is like on face value like good drama and it is often funny to watch them. But, you know, if they were my mom or my aunt or my sister, I don't know how I would feel. And the conflict itself, which has happened in such a spirited way, shall we say, in New York in seasons past, right now it feels both tired and... I don't dispiriting. I would say it doesn't feel well. The I'm not cast feeling is like I'm boring. Anything to, yeah, it's they need to do a major overhaul, and I think Ramona genuinely needs to retire, and maybe Dorinda needs to get a timeout. Honestly, I think she needs she a needs break. to work on some stuff. Yeah, this well, is not good for her. Well, because it clearly is not happening on the show. You know th- that come to Jesus moment that she needs is not happening on the show because she's stuck in an environment where she feels that she needs to sort of perform a certain way and perform a certain character, and it's now becoming ugly and mean and dark Mm -hmm. whereas it used to be sort of like oh there's dorinda where when she drinks the sort of you know devil and angel that happens when she's Mm -hmm. like sober and when she drinks it was kind of like interesting to watch now it's just sad and i feel that she needs does need to really change because you know she's not in a good environment she's in an environment that repeats itself and this dragging of Tinsley, like even rewatching when Tinsley is saying, Oof. you know, I'm back with Scott and Dorinda going out of her way to just be as hurtful as possible to intentionally trying to wound someone well, who so, you know yeah. is never going to rise to your level, at least in Screech, if nothing else. It's pain. It's awkward and it's painful. Well, Dorinda doesn't feel powerful at all in her own life and I think doesn't feel powerful over... Um any of her friendships are really in control of anything. And so Mm -hmm. you're seeing her, I think um, she's probably justifying it as her job too. Um, And, but, and I, she's not wrong about that. Like it is her job to sort of be a character that's willing to at least get into, if not start conflict on the show, but the kinds of conflict that she's starting with, with Tinsley, like, no one cares and ultimately what you've done is sort of chase her off the show now in a macro sense i don't super care that tinsley's not on the show anymore (laughs) i don't she was always like a solid solid d story in every episode it's like i don't (laughs) really think we're missing anything but i do think the way you watched it happen and the fact that tinsley left like not even a third into the season like that says a lot that says a lot and the fact and also, that Bethany felt with? comfortable to just be like, right. peace out at the last second. These women obviously don't really genuinely care about each other. Yeah, it just feels like a disjointed kind of not mess. It just feels like 
we're kind of watching it and I can't help but wallow. There's not a lot of humor here. They're trying to be funny, yeah. but they're just cutting each other, which isn't that can't be everything on Housewives. It can't be only the harshest, cruelest kind of conflict for 44 minutes every week. You yeah. know, there has to be something else. And where is the light coming from? And if the light is coming from Lou doing another show, like mm -hmm. we're in trouble. Like yeah. the light isn't going to come from Ramona's. I have sixty friends again. You oh, know? I like, know. That's it's not just like it's strange. like the, the, the Luann plotline has moved from like fifty four below to fucking green room forty two, and it's like, girl, <laughs> you got a new space. That's really it. I mean, you just got a new fucking space. But the thing is, I think that we are in a transition season with New York, and I think that um, this, I would bet that this is Luann and Ramona. And Sonia's last go. So you think it's Sonia's last go? Because I've been playing this out of my head and I want Ramona to retire. Lou, I would be okay with a demotion. Sonia, I actually think should maybe stay and Dorinda get who? at least a season. Because she can get kind of, I know she's kind of crossed over if that's sort of how we're equating New York, but I, I think that there's still a humor and a vibrance and a wackiness there. Mm -hmm. And if she's um, removed from being with Ramona and Lou in that like strange cool girls group that literally nobody else wants to join, I think she could find herself in a better position than where she is now. I wouldn't want her to see to necessarily have her go. And I also think if we're going in the direction of like, you know, um, New York four to five, season four to five, when there was a huge change in casting, three to four mm -hmm. to four to five. I don't know that they can necessarily afford to lose Sonia at that point. Otherwise, it is an entirely different show. If we're talking about transition, I would say she's a transitional tool to use to get to that next chapter. Do you I disagree? Would, I, 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 I think I do agree. I just think that's happening now. Yeah. And, and it's not going to happen next season. And I also think if it does happen next season, then that actually sucks for us because we're not happy with the show we have right now. So I think it's like, it, yes. And the thing too, it's like another thing you have to think about is like, you can love certain cast members, but how are they working as a cast? Like, for example, it's like, mm -hmm. I think that most housewives fans would say they like Nene leaks. But I think that the best season of Real Housewives of Atlanta was the yes. season was the yes, season that yes. she was not there. Yes, yes, yes. Was the season yes. where the where the where yes. the big villain was Phaedra. Yes, yes. And so yes. that that is a real thing. It's like, you know, you love Bethany, but like Bethany only really sings on that show when she is surrounded by cast members that work with her that are good foils to her. And I think what's happening now is like. I don't really believe the Ramona-Leah conflict as an actual thing that would happen in life. I don't recognize it as a conflict I see in life. It looks like two women who are put on the same show, and it's like a pissing contest now. So I don't really believe that. And everything else that's happening, it's like, well, if y'all are just appendages to Ramona, if Sonia's big thing is like she's a good supporting character in the stories that are Ramona and Lou mm -hmm. and if Lou continues to be on the show what we're going to see is another cabaret storyline with some light relapsing content and Ramona's whole thing is just like awkward sort of chaotic like trying too hard mess then unfortunately Sonya's going to be a casualty of that because she's never been an uh, a story character she's never been a lead character on that show I wonder how intensely Bravo 
and the various production companies involved are looking at this enormous break in being able to film. Obviously, New Jersey is starting soon. There are mm. a few other franchises that are starting soon. Allegedly, OC is going to pick up pretty soon. Um, where they're looking at this time and saying, like, okay, do we use this as an opportunity to make drastic changes? Like, can we can we take this break to our advantage where we don't feel as constricted to using most of these people as we ordinarily would? Where it's like you film the reunion, you immediately start figuring out who's going to be in next season, you get the contracts out, and boom, there you go. I think that they could use this as an opportunity to say, okay, something's not working. We're hearing from the viewership that they're not happy. How drastic a cut can we make to kind of reboot accordingly? They right? need to Don't make a think? drastic cut, I think. I mean, I think that this is a good moment to, to assess that because at, at the end of the day, it's like, it's a cultural reset in so many ways. We can mm -hmm. handle one more. I mean, I don't think I don't think when this is over, we are going to feel bad about like um, not having things that remind us of the way things were. Like I said, it's just we think about what we're arguing for here. Like we don't we don't even want Ramona on the show anymore. Like we really don't. <laughs> like I'm so done. Like, I'm good. She's a monster. She's and done it for be, over a decade. She right, had a great it used to be run. entertaining. Right. She was her being the devil worked out pretty well for most of us watching. It's just uh. so happens that she's kind of, you know, been at the party too long. It's time she's to go. She's one of the icons of Real Housewives. Yes. Like hang it up. Like the way I always feel is like, you know, it's hard to leave them when they're wanting, leave them while they're wanting more because mm -hmm. you, while they want more, still get your check. You know what I mean? I yeah. get that. But, but it's like, you have to know when to call it because then it's, it could become legacy ruining. If they stay too long, it could become legacy ruining and no one wants that. No one wants that girl staying a year too late. And I think that's what's happening with Nini, who's now allegedly oh, like yeah. not getting us back and trying to spin it and looking for maybe a spinoff on another NBC Universal property like maybe E, but they're not necessarily super interested in that. She doesn't really have a story to exploit no. on her own show, let alone on Housewives. And she doesn't really want to be there. She walked off the reunion when it was being recorded on her couch. Like that's and then refused to film again and would only allow herself to be a conference call when she calls Portia's cell. Like that's not a great indicator that this person should still remain. And if she I mean Heather Dubrow, if everyone's telling you you're dead, it's time to lie down. Like it's Nini's time to go. To I mean, go go. It's just you have to know when to call it. And it's been Nini's time for a couple of years because if she doesn't care, we can't care. And I think that like, unfortunately what's happening here is her ego is really out of control. And she mm -hmm. th does. W I think she wishes for slash um, thinks maybe that she can do things like this and it will be fine for her. Or she's subconsciously trying to ruin it for herself because she wants this kind of like big exit. But I just think it's unfortunate. And I mean, unfortunately, you know, Atlanta has Portia and Candy and Kenya and they're fine. They're fine. They're, fine. they're gonna be great. I mean, yeah. it's there. That was actually one of my favorite seasons, too. Although 
I was talking to OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, about this the other day, which is I don't think I can go back and watch that season again because knowing what Phaedra was doing in the back of her head, oh, I it's can't so watch evil. those. I can't watch those episodes again because I know the way that she's manipulating the cast, maybe production, I guess trying to also gaslight herself so that we can get to a point on the reunion where – you know, the, I remember the buildup when those apps were out, were um, airing live and it was like, guess what? You'll never believe the secret. And it was like, did someone like fuck Apollo? Like, what is the big what is the mm-hmm. big lead up that we're about to get where something is going to break open and change the game? And it's like, wait, a cast member on the show was knowingly and willingly trying to spread a rumor that another cast member was trying to was planning to sexually assault someone else like that is. Yeah. So gross to me. Obviously, it's one of the I mean, when you talk about housewives who can never come back to me, Phaedra can never return oh, in no. any way. I don't no, think no, there's no. any way to come back from that, regardless of whether or not Candy is on the show. I just think it crosses the line into something else. If Nini gets penalized for walking off of a reunion, then manipulating an entire season and you're an attorney and mm-hmm. know better to do this, to try to actually ruin someone's career and life crosses over into another realm of housewife thought no yeah, it's you just said too it. much it's you wild it. i mean no phaedra that's for sure i just think um in terms of uh the nini of it all we've yeah. seen that we do not need her to be watching and totally. so i think that you know I just don't see it as a crucial part of the narrative. I really don't. And there's so many women that could be on any of these shows too. That's another thing is it's like, you know, whenever they announce a new housewife, I'm always like, ugh. unless I know them and know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't excited about Leah McSweeney. And then you saw Leah McSweeney and you're like, Oh, she's a really good, in fact, crucial part of the show now. Yeah. She's crucial. She's already she's become like part of the a plot. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's already become, something that the show and the drama of the show revolves around. So people can come in and revitalize it and they should. It's just so wild to me to be having this conversation because going into this season of New York and Beverly Hills, I was so angry Mm. that they kept essentially the main cast intact, that Teddy was still full time, that they didn't make any major changes And added on Garcelle, who's amazing, and Sutton, who's like a pretend friend of, but truly should be treated as a full-time accordingly. And I thought it was going to be a shit show and that we were only going to have dumb episodes leading up to whatever happens with Brandy and Denise. Mm -hmm. And then everybody like using that as bait for the rest of the season. And I thought I was going to get my joy from watching New York. And it's the opposite that's happened. New York, I'm like, okay, this is all bullshit. None of this is really great. I'm not going to remember a single moment of this season after the season completes. And Beverly Hills is having one of the strongest seasons it's had in a number of years with the majority of its cast intact. I mean, that is a, a wild experience for me as a viewer. For me with Beverly Hills, I've always enjoyed watching them because I like the women on the show largely mm-hmm. individually. I think they're the funniest. I think that they um, uh, look the best. I think that they are in the most fun environment. Mm-hmm. So all those things, yes. But Beverly Hills is doing that thing that they do all the time, which is we are consistently hearing a fucking dumb narrative consistently brought up which is this thing 
and I'm saying it loud so people can hear it in the rafters, this thing with Denise and the kids at the party and whether or not it's proper to talk like adults around the kids about sex explicitly, this is such a stupid thing for them to dig in on. And any normal person would just be like, hey, she doesn't want us to talk about the threesomes in front of her kids. She, While they're not here, it's completely fair game, but they were here, and we should have a little bit more social decorum. That's it. It's not a judgment on anyone else's parenting. It's not a judgment on you. It doesn't. You obviously know the difference between when Denise is around her kids and when she's not. She's making a clear distinction here. So why do we keep talking about it? And, and the they way, do this yeah. every year. Right. They do it every year and they can't seem to let go of this. And it seems like they're all spiraling and yet together in the same moment, which makes all of them appear worse. And they're saying to her, you're making us look like bad parents because of our poor behavior, which we chose to do that we're not taking responsibility about. And we're going to gaslight you and pretend that it's your fault. It's your fault. But also, it looks like what they are trying to say and what they were trying to say about Aaron, who's complicated. I mean, he's insane. He's insane. The hand crushing, the lack of neck. There's a lot. The cancer acting as a superhero. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, There's a lot going on. But what they're also trying to say is, how dare you try to make us look like bad parents on camera like now we're she trying didn't to say, do that which she didn't do and then they're getting mad at her for not really wanting to participate in this and even when she's saying like it's enough i'm done i don't want to talk about this anymore they're saying her reasoning for saying she doesn't want to talk about it uh anymore is like a political strategy in which to place herself at the forefront as like the victim in all of this when they're doing such a good job of that on their own that they don't even need Denise's participation because their participation is pushing the narrative that they're saying she's trying to push and protect. And it just makes absolutely no sense. I mean, it's literally textbook gaslighting. And because because they're all doing it, there's no one there to be like, this is annoying. Stop. You guys are terrorizing this person because you're obviously jealous that she was the breakout star of the last season. Mm -hmm. She walked out of that reunion as the king, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that everyone is a little intimidated by her because they've stopped having fun with Denise as this new shiny thing. Now they see her as a threat. And And I think that we have seen what happens when they view you as a threat. They will gang up on you and get you the hell out of there. Um, as we saw with LVP, who, let's be real, like, if that was the thing that she was going to be kicked out for, it was obviously a conscious decision on the part of all the women because she could have been excised from that cast for doing shady shit many times before. Uh, it was but timing, just, meeting, opportunity. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And so yeah. I think with Denise, it's like, I think you can't, you cannot underestimate ego. These mm-hmm. other ladies, like, Kyle is obviously upset that there's like someone else who's like potentially Queen B because, you know, let's face it, while LVP was there, you never really thought about Kyle as like the number one. And now Kyle is kind of the number one sort of because that's how the succession went. Mm-hmm. But um, now there's someone who's like really a star, really amazing on the show, really different, doesn't seem to give a fuck. And that sort of I don't give a fuck energy really does crazy things to people who give a fuck. Right. You know what I mean? Like, 
you kind of saw it with Erica Jane a little bit, but you kind of realized that she was not as unbothered as she said she was. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Denise, it's like she legit might be unbothered by all of them because she does have like a real acting career. She does really go out there every day and do her thing that she loves and is passionate about. So she doesn't have all this time to sort of sit around and create drama out of absolutely nothing. And I think it's like sharks to blood in the water, to be honest with you. And Housewives to Denise isn't going to make or break a career that she's had for however many years versus Erica Jane, who has a lot more invested in the ways in which she can monetize and become more famous through the vehicle of Housewives. Denise is like, great. You want me to sign up for this show? You're giving me a big fucking check. Happy to do it. Okay, I'm pretending that I'm comfortable meeting with these ladies at like a black tie breakfast every day for the next seven months. Blah, 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 blah. It's I'm participating in the way that I am. I'm sort of responding, but this isn't my all versus Erica Jane, who obviously in the ways in which she is discussing Denise in her confessionals has a lot of anger toward Denise and what she sees as maybe the fact that Denise is able to get a lot of attention without doing a lot of the work. I don't know what they're using a lot of what she brings to the table that they loved about her or appreciated about her last season against her now. And it's working entirely, I think, against their favor. I would agree. I mean, I think they all look really stupid. Um, but And so I, I actually dumb. think that Denise looks good in all of this. That being said, mm-hmm. with the stress of everything that is, hap- that is happening going on, mm-hmm. little things that actually are weak about Denise as a character in her position on the show are showing such as Aaron. Now that they have seen Ugh. what he's going to act like when, when things start to get crazy, she, she has shown her Achilles heel because now they know they can get her by making her husband sort of spin out and act insane. They'll move on to that. You will see them drop this sort of narrative about the kids of it all. And it will start being about how she acts so crazy at lunches. And could you believe her husband, et cetera. So what they've actually done well is they've actually created a situation where Denise has looked quote unquote irrational. It's like typical, like sort of abuser behavior. They've gaslit her into now acting quote unquote crazy. And now that's the problem. Forgetting where we've even started from. They're also setting up the next chapter, which is introducing Brandy, who has some secrets to spill about. Of course Denise she does. <laughs> of <Denise>. course she does. <laughs> and Denise's marriage to Aaron and whether or not he knows about whatever the fuck is going on, which keeps the spotlight on him and also him as an angry guy, which Denise seems to be appreciative of. And also a participant in when it comes to like the paranoia of it all. Like she's not. I mean, she believes some weird shit, obviously. She She obviously buys into some weird stuff. Yeah. And now we're leading into this thing where she may or may not have been open with her husband about whatever Brandy of all people is saying. So take that with a grain of salt. But it does sort of open the door to exactly what you're saying, which is an opportunity for these women to utilize, like, manipulating Aaron's, you know, guttural responses to work to their benefit. Because to be honest with you, I think that um, when they were at that picnic at Kyle's house, it was at Kyle's house, right? Yeah. Um, So 
the intent picnic of is he, uh, yeah, an right whatever it was it was like a barbecue <laughs> a barbecue it was a catered mexican yeah right it was like a full-ass catered outdoor barbecue and the white furniture so basically like the intent of what he was doing was mm-hmm. right it was right, right for someone to be like hi y'all are acting nuts she said one thing and it it does not conflict with this other thing the way you all mm-hmm. think it is so you're kind of creating something that doesn't exist and she said that she doesn't want to talk about it anymore so let's not talk about it and i think it's weird it's weird the way they edited it because they were cutting to the women and like talking heads and like cutting to them around the table sort of rolling their eyes that he had spoken at all Mm -hmm. and it's like no 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 what's weird here is not that he is inserting himself into the conversation like what's weird is the conversation so let's not redirect it's like when people like get mad about the looting you know what i mean it's like can you just focus on the issue here which is the yeah. major thing under the surface, not to compare two and, things. <laughs> well, but what an interesting <laughs> no, I mean no, literally totally. no. But but it's like it's like it's top of mind thing for me where it's like this major situation is screaming at us in the face. Like well, th- why are we not talking about that? Like what? Right. And Rinna and Erica Jane and you could say Yolanda don't understand the perspective of a husband being involved in this drama because those husbands very rarely show up. And if you look at Dorit's responses, you know, PK's gotten involved more than once. Mauricio got lit on fire when he like just genuinely acted sort of not monstrously, but definitely in a super bitchy plus manner to Brandy, who I'm not a big fan of. I mean, their spouses have also gotten involved and have also spoken in ways that weren't ideal, let's say, but they were trying to protect their wives. And what's wrong with that? The Erica Jane of it all, she, I just wish that she wasn't so bothered about all this Denise stuff because it's not a good look on her because my thing with, with Erica is like, she can have a scene. I think she saw an opportunity when Aaron was talking to be like, oh, no, no, sweetie, don't talk to me. This is not, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're not a mm-hmm. part of this. Like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And you think the audience is going to be like, yes, queen, hashtag girl boss. Like, tell that man he can't speak to you. <laughs> yes, queen, yes, queen, slay and go off, hashtag pride. But it's like, no, I mean, he is protecting his wife who you guys are attacking because she's got no one on her side. So it's not get this man out of here it's y'all are acting nuts and then because you're making it about something that it's not right and then in her confessional she's doubling down which is so wild to me and it comes you can see the visceral anger and frustration on her face and it just doesn't make any sense in the context of what is going on which makes me wonder, like, what's happening in the background? Like, what's happening? Maybe she's with nervous. Lisa Rinna? Maybe she. I, I, I think Erica Jane is. I don't know Jane that it's is, nerves. I don't know that it's nerves. I don't know that it's nerves either. But I think that she thinks, like, all right, well, I'm leaving to go to New York for a while. Like, let me get some narrative mm-hmm. time in. Yeah, like, yeah, let yeah. me make sure that I'm like participating in the conflict, despite the mm-hmm. fact that the conflict is bullshit. Rinna. Yeah, what's going on? It's, it's Rinna. It's really hard for me because I fucking love Rinna. I identify mm-hmm. as Rinna. I uh, if I <laughs> Rena is who I'm closest to in the franchise, but the fact that she is sort of piling on Denise and she's been friends with Denise for so long, it would be really nice for I think Denise to have one ally. Yeah, and that could very easily have been Rena, who cannot possibly believe 
what she's saying. But then again, she's obviously insecure about her skills as a mother because her mm. daughter can't make it at college. She's got an eating disorder. Mothers, mm -hmm. you know, often take that very hard. So mm -hmm. I think that what we're seeing is potentially a real insecurity on behalf of a lot of these women actually not looking at themselves that they think it has to be about their skills as mothers when it's not. But if you have a question about your skill as a mother, that is your damage. And we are seeing in the narrative, like they are not leaving out the struggles that Rena's daughters are having. Our and daughter Rena's is going, having. no, both daughters. It has one kid's dealing with anxiety. The other one. Yeah. Yeah. Rena's seeming interest in, if we're going to talk about doubling down, what she is doing by directly raising Denise's kids, the names of her kids. What exactly did she say to you? Oh, wow. That's really interesting. Let's talk on camera more about what she said about this situation that I know makes you feel super uncomfortable. The something is happening. I mean, Rinna should be Denise's number one ally. Instead, Denise gets Garcelle, who's having a great first season, is a great addition to the franchise, but doesn't have the same weight within the cast as Rinna does. Rinna could shut this down. Instead, I mean, she's activating it. Look, it's really pathetic because I think that something that's getting ignored and something that I'm wondering if they're editing out of the show now that um, there's a little break is this thing of Kyle keeps ignoring and looking over Garcelle and not regarding uh. her as like a real friend because there's something icky about that to me. And I think it's mm -hmm. true. Like the fact that sort of Kyle seems to shut down Garcelle without thinking about it uh, and for whatever you want about that. Um, but the fact it's of the matter great. is Garcelle, Garcelle is, should be a dynamic part of the cast, but because these women are so obsessed and so one track mind about their pursuit of Denise's life going down in flames or casthood mm -hmm. going down in flames, mm -hmm. Garcelle is not getting her due as part of the cast. Like I've missed her in the narrative as part of the main dramatic action because um, we're really only getting garcelle material we're not getting mm -hmm. garcelle on the ladies material and when we do it's all about how she's not involved which i don't like as a narrative i i don't i don't like it i think that um it feels weird to me yeah there were rumors that maybe i don't the break didn't happen because of this but it's entirely possible and frankly in their best interest to use the time and break that they have, which is a month long stretch mm -hmm. to look at the season to come, not only in what do we still have left to edit, but what edits need to be changed, noting the environment that we are in now. It and don't protect anyone either. Well. If Kyle is acting weird because of some bias that she has, we should see that because that's reality TV. I don't think they would be doing it to protect Kyle. They would 100% be doing it to protect themselves. Bravo yeah, is not in well, a great position right now. They're pretending that firing yeah. a third deckhand on below deck and saying oh he God, exhibited racist behavior is <sighs> as good as just saying, Stassi and Kristen are no longer returning, and we don't know why, but we we agree with this idea, but we're not actually going to say what it is, and we're going to absolve, absolve any and all responsibility. And now they're in a position where they're gingerly opening a door that's being forced upon them by thousands of viewers who are demanding that they step up in the smallest of ways. And mm -hmm. they did it with someone that nobody cares about. They didn't do it with two people that a lot of the audience does. 
And yeah. now we're in a position where it's like you need to really if we're going to talk about changes that need to happen during a break. It's not just reevaluating how we may need to adjust the editing in Beverly Hills. It's having a conversation about the fact that Jackson Kill- Kelly still have jobs and that mm-hmm. is a problem for the network. So they can look at I, I don't think that they would be looking at it through the lens of like, let's protect Kyle, because I don't think she has as much power and value to the network as Lisa did, which mm-hmm. is why Lisa was able to get away with stuff getting cut from the um from scenes like following the you know showdown over tea where it turns out she really did feed that information and they had Camille saying that to her at the door which they didn't include in the episode itself I think Mm. now they're in a position where they're like this isn't necessarily about protecting the value and power of individual wives this is for us about protecting what is left of our brand I think you're right I think you're right I just think it it's um it was a, it was a, I think, sort of thinly veiled suggestion that yes. Kyle might be sort of disregarding Garcelle for yes. more than just I don't re- connect with her reasons, and I think that it's interesting given what's gone on on the network that they are now taking a break despite just revealing that as a plot point. A hundred percent. And we'll see what's we'll see what's going to happen to come and we'll see how this pans out for Kyle V. Garcelle. Obviously, there's something that is afoot in Beverly Hills. I don't know how much of that reality we're actually going to get, whether it's what the women are saying on camera versus in the press versus on watch what happens live. But Mm -hmm. there's something happening and there's definitely going to be more to come. I think that what, what essentially what's happening is they're forcing Denise down to their level. That's what I think is happening. They're saying, oh, you think you're an actress who's just booked this job and can come in and sort of like just treat this like something that you're going to look good at and not have to challenge yourself? No, no, no. They're dragging her down to the depths of our personal lives are going to be exposed. You signed up for this and therefore it is within our rights to make this a part of the A story, especially if it's something that gets you upset. And I think that you know, it's weird because while I hate watching it, they're not wrong that that's what she signed up for. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out when we see just how deep the Brandy stuff goes. I almost hope that it goes deep and lives up to the hype because what I don't want with Beverly Hills is yet another season of like seven out of 10, like, edging Mm -hmm. you know what i mean in terms Mm -hmm. of like the where the season goes like i don't need to be talking about this denise kids stuff anymore like we need to move into some meat well the denise stuff if the kids at the cookout sex talk was about how Denise actively responded to that, even if it's saying under her breath, of course, I wouldn't bring the kids. Yeah. The second phase of the season appears to be that no matter what Brandy is saying, the drama comes with Denise's response, which is, I don't want this on camera. Yeah. And if you continue to talk about it, I'm walking off the show, which yeah. I don't know that that was a goal for the cast. It will be interesting to see their reaction. But that's definitely a power move that someone would make if this isn't their main source of income and this isn't their livelihood and this isn't necessarily their one and only goal. I mean, it is classic abuser behavior. It's gaslighting someone into thinking 
it's gaslighting someone until they act crazy and then being like, you're crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and you're crazy. And now we found out this. So you've been lying the whole time. I mean, it's interesting that this is happening now because I almost think five, six years ago, the audience would be like, fuck Denise. But yeah. now I think it's a different spot in time. It's, it, I think we are in a different cultural moment where mm-hmm. we can see that they're bullying her. We can see that like this is not all what it seems, you know. So I think it it may backfire on the sh- show and the other women in a bad way. And then what do you do? Like, because you might just lose Denise, which would suck. Which would suck for us most of all. But I want My more God. Garcelle. She looks amazing. She get the show needed a person of color so badly. Like yes. especially Beverly Hills. Like you know, it's not all white women. Like it's or and if you were representing it that way, you're perpetuating Part, an right. issue. Right. Like there are so many women of color in Hollywood. Like Gar, you see, Garcelle has so many friends. Like. That scene where she was sitting down with her girlfriends and they cut yes, to the one and it was I like, loved. it was like the ex-girlfriend of Will Smith. It was like, <laughs> didn't it didn't even say like Garcelle's friend. It said Will Smith's ex-girlfriend. And my boyfriend was like, was that just her lower third? And I was like, yeah, I guarantee they'll return to that. Two seconds later, they returned to it just so you could get like, you could get a uh, sort of it telegraphed for you. Just mm-hmm. how small Hollywood is and like, mm-hmm. you know, there's run-ins everywhere and big stars involved. So I would love for a, a friend of Garcelle's to join next season. I think that's exactly what Shake needs to happen. It up. Shake, Shake it, it up. up. And also yeah. it's, it, it's not like I would bet that a lot of the same viewers are a lot of housewives viewers are the same across all franchises. You know, I mm-hmm. know that Atlanta has the highest viewership, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, what I'm saying is, like, I don't think that problems they think they'll run into when mm-hmm. diversifying casts are actual problems they'll run into. Maybe maybe that's a positive, like, um, optimistic view of things, but I don't think they would hurt themselves at all by diversifying these casts. Well, diversifying the cast is the actual absolute least that they could do. What they need is to have people in positions of power who are black at corporate so that... Oh, yeah. I mean, when when we need a cultural reset, there are actually people in the room where it happens and you have people on the production crews who are black working on these shows, because from what I've seen, it seems like a lot of white people, unless you're in um, Atlanta or Potomac, and that's a Mm -hmm. problem and needs to change. So there's like global issues that Bravo needs to start looking at. And hopefully during this month long break or this new chapter for our country and our world, they're really deciding what it is to be I'll pretend and be optimistic and an ally, but what it is to be a network responding to what direct change needs to happen. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see. I think that um, it's really, it's interesting that you say um, people in production that are, that we need to change that from being probably all white people because it, I was watching an interview recently with Rachel Lindsay and Mm. um, she was saying how important it is to have that producer that you're talking right. to really understand your experience because it does heavily factor into the way that you're produced as a character on the show. And we've seen the ways in which, I mean, over and over and over again, at least on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, we've seen how, you know, women of color get edited into archetypes. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's like not super helpful. Um, so similarly with this show, it's like 
you not only want to make sure that you're diversifying the cast and not just in a way that tokenizes people, but that you're also responsibly producing them. And that can only come from people on both sides of the camera and people in the editing room and people at corporate, like you're saying, being from all different backgrounds who are focused on the best narrative and not subconsciously or explicitly creating archetypes. And having a platform and continuing to make your voices heard and having that conversation that it's not enough to say that um, this should happen, that we're demanding that it must be. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, My God, Matt Rogers. This flew by. I don't think so, honey. I don't think so, honey, that when time flew absolutely (laughs) by. I could talk to you for hours and hours, but I think it's because Same. I sort of do in my head anyway, <laughs> regardless. So you need I to I never come really back. get to do like I never really get to do like housewife stuff on Lost Coach because Bowen isn't as well versed as I am oh, in the in the housewives of it all. But I such do lo- I do love me some housewives. I know you do, and I love talking to you about housewives. So we need to have this conversation like literally in another hour. I'll call you in fifteen. Um, anytime you want anytime magical. you want me to come back, I'll come back. I would love Matt Rogers. Tell the people how to listen to and where to listen to Las Culturistas and follow you online. And what should they be doing? Well, the things you should be doing include um, <laughs> checking out Las Culturistas with myself and Bowen Yang. Oh, it's uh, so good. It comes out every Wednesday. It's um, released by iHeartRadio and Big Money Players Network, mm-hmm. which is produced by Will Ferrell. And we're so excited. We just had an episode with him. And, Phenomenal. you know, it's, it's a really fun podcast. It's a pop culture comedy podcast. We have different guests come on and we asked the guests what was the culture that made them say culture was for them. So we talk about their formative pop culture in their life that really kind of formed their identity and look back and how it influenced their lives. And we just have a really amazing conversations about that. And then we do a segment called I Don't Think So Honey, which is we rant for 60 seconds on something in pop culture that we find must be addressed uh, cathartically. (laughs) Yes, negatively, but cathartically. Um, so that's a really, um, my pride and joy is that podcast. I'm also the host of game show on Quibi, which is where we take two straight men and put them head to head to see which one of them would be named honorarily gay as fuck and reign as queen (laughs) of the straights. It's like a gay pageant starring straight men and it's all judged by queer people. And it's it's Uh. me and my friend Dave Mazzoni created it. And, uh, other than that, um, yeah, you can follow me at Matt Rogers, though, T-H-O, on Instagram oh my God. and Twitter. Matt Rogers, I'm so obsessed with you. I can't tell I you love enough. you. I'm so happy that we did this. I'm so, so happy that we did this. This is amazing. And you need to come back ASAP because there's so much that we have left to say. Anytime. We have to, we'll have to. we have to catch back up. I, I know you, you get all the housewives and all the real important people, but I mean... Anytime, we're going to have to catch up about the Denise of it all once the other shoe drops. I mean, the People's People's Couch is a place where you are always welcome. So there Love we to go. hear it. <laughs> Guys, um, listen to Last Culture says after you're finished listening to this pod. That time is PS now, and we'll keep you with you again soon. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.